Welcome to the King's Word Bible Study. Today our topic is going to be Importance of Intercession. Let's begin today in 1 Timothy chapter 2. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, beginning in the first verse, it says, I exhort therefore that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all, to be testified in due time. Whereunto I am ordained a preacher and an apostle. I speak the truth in Christ and lie not, a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and verity. I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands, without wrath and doubting. Verse 1 told us, I exhort therefore that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. One of the most important types of prayer, but the type that is the least talked about, is intercession. We're all called to be intercessors. Intercession can even be a ministry of its own, but yet so many people don't really understand it. It's important that we get a better understanding of what it is, how we do it, and the difference that it makes. The first thing that we need to look at is the role that Jesus plays as our intercessor. Romans chapter 8 and verse 34 says, Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 25 tells us, Wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost, that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. The Lord is always interceding on our behalf, but why do we need an intercessor in the first place? We need an intercessor because of our sin. Our sin is what separates us from God. It's when we miss the mark of following and doing His will, and this distance that we create between us and Him can only be bridged by an intercessor. Jesus has become our legal advocate, bringing our case before the Father in the courts of heaven. And now, because of what He's done for us, our relationship and communication with the Father has been restored. If mankind had never fallen and we never sinned, intercession wouldn't be necessary. But it's the fact that sin has occurred, which makes it the primary purpose for intercession. This unique relationship between sin and intercession is reinforced in the Greek word chosen to describe it. In the Greek, it means a petition, supplication, approaching the king, intervention, an intersection which literally hits the mark, intervention led by God, making intersection between heaven and earth as it reflects the Lord's specific will. There are a few important aspects here. The first is the term hits the mark. We know that in Greek, sin means to miss the mark, which just by nature of what it is, carries with it the question of how do we then hit the mark? Intercession provides the answer. The concordance goes on speaking about this fervor, saying it means to strike, to hit the bullseye spot on. Accordingly, it is used in Greek as the antonym of hamartia, which means to miss the mark, sin. Thus, biblical intercession centers in waiting upon the Lord to learn what hits the mark, what is His will, guiding the believer to act as His agent. Sin is what draws us away from God, away from His power, away from His will, while intercession is the antidote. 
It's what draws us closer to him, closer to his power, and closer to his will. The last thing that the concordance has to say about this is that it refers to petitions and intercessions of believers as they fall in line with God's will, revealing how the one intervening should get involved after drawing near to God and agreeing with his revealed will. True intercession seeks to act only as the Lord directs, following his will to act as his hand extended. When it comes to what our calling as an intercessor looks like, it doesn't have to do with sin. Jesus has already done that on our behalf. Intercession, unlike other types of prayer, has nothing to do with ourselves. It's entirely focused on others, which makes it the most selfless type of prayer that there is. It's our job to intercede for others around us. This may be for our fellow believers, or it may be for unbelievers. It makes no difference. Where to intercede, as Paul said in verse 1, for all men. The fact that intercession has solely to do with others and not ourselves serves to be the greatest stumbling block to it. This is the main reason why so many people avoid it or ignore it. The old carnal selfish nature tries to reassert itself, tries to become so overpowering that it leads us to believe that there's not enough time to pray for others, or that it won't make a difference, or that we have so many needs and wants, why should we pray for them? In the moment, it may seem like these things make sense. It may seem like praying for others won't make a difference. But although we may feel like these things are true, feelings are deceptive. We know that they're not true because these feelings don't align with the Word of God. The devil knows the power of intercession. He knows the difference that it can make, both in another person's life and in our own. So naturally, he'll do all that he can to keep us from doing it. He doesn't want you to hit the mark. He doesn't want you to hit the bullseye. He wants you to keep on missing the mark. And he doesn't even want you to attempt to hit it which is the most subtle and deceptive of his devices as it relates to this. Interceding is hitting the mark. So not only will we not hit the mark if we don't intercede, then we don't even have a chance to hit the mark. It's been said that you miss 100% of the shots that you don't take. That's true of a lot of things in life, and it's no different when dealing with intercession. These terms for sin and intercession, missing and hitting the mark, were archery terms, and understanding them in that light helps us to better understand them. Let's go to 2 Kings chapter 13. In 2 Kings chapter 13, beginning in the 14th verse, it says, Now Elisha was fallen sick of his sickness, whereof he died. And Joash the king of Israel came down unto him and wept over his face, and said, O my father, my father, the chariot of Israel, and the horsemen thereof. And Elisha said unto him, Take bow and arrows. And he took unto him bow and arrows. And he said unto the king of Israel, Put thine hand upon the bow. And he put his hand upon it. And Elisha put his hands upon the king's hands. And he said, Open the window eastward. And he opened it. And Elisha said, Shoot. And he shot. And he said, The arrow of the Lord's deliverance, and the arrow of deliverance from Syria. For thou shalt smite the Syrians in Apec, till thou hast consumed them. And he said, Take the arrows. And he took them. And he said unto the king of Israel, Smite upon the ground. And he smote thrice and stayed. And the man of God was wroth with him, and said, Thou shouldest have smitten five or six times. Then hast thou smitten Syria, till thou hast consumed it. Whereas now thou shalt smite Syria but thrice. Joash made a big mistake here. He only shot the arrows three times. Elisha told him that he should have shot five or six times, but he only did it three times. This is how it works with intercession. We don't want to make the same mistake as Joash did. 
If we don't take the arrows, we can't shoot them. And if we refuse to shoot them, we'll never have a chance at hitting the mark. Joash did right in taking them, but he didn't fully seize the opportunity he was being given. He didn't utilize all the arrows. He left some unused, and people do the same with intercession. They have the ability to intercede. They may even have the desire to do so. But when they don't put forth the time and effort to actually do it, the arrow doesn't get shot. The marks never hit, and no power is released as a consequence of that. Galatians 6 and 10 tells us, As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. One of the greatest ways that we can do good to others, especially our fellow believers, is by interceding on their behalf. Earlier in 1 Timothy 2.1, the last phrase says, For all men. The word for in many other versions translates as on behalf of. In the Greek, this word means beyond, above, to extend benefit that reaches beyond the present situation for the betterment, advantage, and in the interests of. We have to remember that our intercession is for others. They're the object of the petition and supplication. Intercession is nothing more than supplication on behalf of others instead of for ourselves. So we have to ask ourselves, why do we intercede for them? What calls for intercession? Sometimes a person may have a specific need or want in their life. Sometimes they may be going through a hard time. They may be experiencing the attacks of the enemy. Sometimes they may have been hurt or anything else like this. In reality, we don't even need a specific reason. We don't need to know every minute detail about what a person needs or what prayer they want answered. Sometimes people just need help. They need support. They need encouragement. And a lot of times, people just need someone in their corner fighting with them through their prayers. This doesn't mean that we should just breathe up meaningless idle prayers that aren't from the heart. If we know of some specific need, we should be specific. Sometimes just mumbling, God bless so-and-so, isn't enough. In prayer, we should be as specific as we can be. When we get answers, we expect God to be specific. So why wouldn't we be specific in our petitions? We should be, and God expects us to be. When we do our best and stay faithful, the Holy Spirit will take over, and He'll intercede also. Romans 8 and 26 says, Likewise, the Spirit also helps our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. There may be people that we don't want to pray for, and if we're honest with ourselves, there's probably a lot of them. There's people who have hurt us, insulted us, people who have used us and gone out of their way to be cruel. What about those people? Do we still have to pray for them? The answer is yes. Jesus said in Matthew 5 and 44, But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them that persecute you. This is a hard, uncomfortable command, but it's a command nevertheless. Even these people, people we may feel like we can never say anything good about, are people that we need to intercede for. The phrase pray for them is important. The key word is for. It didn't say pray about them. It didn't say pray against them. It said pray for them. Pray for their interests, for their benefit, and for their betterment. And your prayers that are prayed passionately from the heart may be the very thing to bring about the change in their life that they need so desperately. People make the mistake of just praying about the person under the false impression that that counts as praying for them. But that's not the same thing. Or they do even worse when they pray for bad things to happen or evil to come upon someone. That's not acceptable. 
And as tempting as it may seem at certain times, we can't allow ourselves to fall into that. When we do that, it just brings us down to their level. It makes us no better than they are. And in reality, it means that we're subtly becoming and doing the very thing that we hate in them. No matter who we're interceding for, whether a friend, a fellow believer, or someone we may think of as an enemy, not only should we pray for the person's needs and wants, being specific, we should then also pray for them to be blessed beyond that, for them to be given more than what they're looking for. Ephesians 3 and 20 tells us, Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. We all want this promise for ourselves. We want to be blessed exceeding abundantly beyond measure. But how many people really desire that for others? Definitely not too many. People may say that they want that, and every Christian would say that they do. But in people's prayer closets, a different story is told. It becomes, God bless me, let me do well, meet my needs, and then everyone else becomes a secondary afterthought, something that we just throw in there when we run out of our own petitions to ask for. The reason that this happens is the same reason that we looked at before. It's the selfish carnal nature trying to subtly take back ground. It's not that the person is consciously and actively attempting to be selfish. It's not that it's done with malicious intent. They may not have anything against those that they should be praying for. But they don't because they have their own needs and wants, and those crowd out those of others. The second half of Ephesians 3 and 20 said, According to the power that worketh in us. This is referring to the power of God that's within us. But how do we release that power? We release the power through our prayers. Earlier, when we were looking at the definition of intercession, it said in the concordance, making intersection between heaven and earth. This is what our prayer does. It bridges the gap between heaven and earth. It bridges the gap between the supernatural and the natural. For the unbeliever, it bridges the gap between them and God, which is why they're saved through prayer. Anyone who calls in the name of God shall be saved. When we call on him, it's prayer. For the believer, what would this mean? There's no gap between us and God. He's not separated from us. He's the opposite. He's within us forever. Not only is there no separation between us and God, there's no separation between us and the kingdom of heaven. Luke chapter 17 verses 20 to 21 say, And when he was demanded of the Pharisees when the kingdom of God should come, he answered them and said, The kingdom of God cometh not with observation. Neither shall they say, Lo here or lo there. For behold, the kingdom of God is within you. It's within us. But that intersection still needs to be made. And we do that through our prayers. Our prayers are conversation with God when we're talking to and hearing from Him. And this connection with God allows the infinite power that is within Him to be released through us and our prayer becomes the vehicle for which it's transferred. It creates an intersection where supernatural power from God can manifest through us in the natural. Our intercession opens the door for the exceeding abundant blessings to come forth. It's how we draw them out. This power is what makes us able to be an agent for change and an agent for good in the lives of others. We always sing the old song, Prayer Changes Things, and it does. It's the power released through it that makes the change possible. And we'll see people healed, saved, delivered, set free. We'll find miracles and wonders take place when we take the time to pray and intercede for these things to happen. Deliverance will only come through prayer. It will never be found where prayer is absent. And Joash learned this lesson the hard way. It was the will of God for Syria to be utterly destroyed by Israel. 
That was the word that he gave to Elisha. But that's not what happened. Instead, they were merely smitten three times by Joash's army. Looking back on Israel's history, seeing the fact that they continually fought against Israel, and even still do to this day, it's clear why God wanted them to be destroyed. But they weren't, because Joash didn't shoot all the arrows. Not only is this important for the fact that he didn't use all the arrows, it's also important to take note of what Elijah said about the arrows. These were no ordinary arrows. Verse 17 of 2 Kings 13 told us, And he said, Open the window eastward. And he opened it. Then Elisha said, Shoot. And he shot. And he said, The arrow of the Lord's deliverance, and the arrow of deliverance from Syria. For thou shalt smite the Syrians in Apec, till thou hast consumed them. It was clear that there was a connection between the arrows and deliverance. And this connection was made known to Joash. But nevertheless, he didn't use them all. In the same way, there's a direct connection between our intercession and the deliverance of those around us. Our intercessions for them are our arrows. We have to use them. We have to intercede when we have the opportunity to do so. It will bring deliverance because it's a specific mechanism that the Lord has established to release the necessary power. We find this in the life of Job. Job 42 and 10 says, And the Lord turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends. Also the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. As we looked at a few weeks ago, Job was delivered, but his deliverance was predicated on his praying for his friends. His intercession on their behalf had to come first. The same way that this was true for Job, it's true for us also. Our intercession should come before we make our own petitions for ourselves. We should put their needs before our own. People may see the needs and wants of others, but just knowing about them isn't going to do anything. We need to do something. The third definition that we looked at earlier said, intervening and getting involved. This is what we're called to do. This is what the Lord is leading us to do. When we see a need, when we see someone have a want or a problem that needs fixing, we need to get involved. We need to intervene through our prayers. We can't just sit on the sideline and hope that all goes well. We can't just turn a blind eye and ignore it, not caring because it doesn't directly have to do with us. None of us would want someone else to do that if it was a need that we had. The golden rule never changes. Jesus said in Matthew 7 and 12, Therefore all things whatsoever ye would that men should do to you, do ye even so to them. For this is the law and the prophets. We shouldn't ask others for prayer if we're not willing to do the same for them. We need to do something. We need to act. We need to bring our petition for others before God and leave the burden there. And when we do, we'll find that our burdens are gone too. If we need healing, we should pray for others to be healed. If we need a financial miracle, we should pray for others to get the same. If we need an answer from God, we should pray for others to receive their answers too. It's sin that holds us back from the blessings of God. Because whether intentionally done or not, it's a deviation from God's will. This is why it's missing the mark. But when we intercede, we hit the mark. We get the bullseye. We're spot on. And this is why intercession opens us up to receive the blessings of God. It realigns us to God's will, and it helps us to fall in line with it. Then we'll find like Job, that we're given a double portion in our latter end, that we receive the same exceeding abundant blessings that we ask God to give to others. Our willingness to intercede can be the difference between someone spending their eternity with God or apart from Him. The Lord is calling them. Proverbs 1 and 24 says, Because I have called and ye refused, 
I have stretched out my hand, and no man regarded. The Lord's hand is outstretched, offering salvation to those around us, and maybe they'll ignore the Lord's hand. Maybe they'll try to look past it. But as the definition said before, true intercession seeks to act only as the Lord directs, following His will to act as His hand extended. Every time the people you've been interceding for interact with you, the Lord's hand is extended through you. The offer is there, and your prayers may be what causes them to take God by the hand and start a new life with Him. Let's close in prayer. Lord, we thank You for this day, and we thank You for Your Word. Lord, we thank You that Your hand is outstretched right now to all those who have not yet had the pleasure of knowing You. And for all those in our life, who are yet unbelievers, where we ask that you open up their spiritual eyes and ears so that they can see that offer of salvation that you're making to them and that they'll have the wisdom and the understanding to see that offer for what it is and to take it and seize it and use it to the fullest advantage, claiming all the promises and faith that you're offering to them. Lord, we thank you that our intercession could be the vehicle that brings about that change. And Lord, we thank you that you've given us this great ability. Lord, give us the wisdom to use it in the proper way to intercede whenever we have the opportunity, and to do so for all men. Lord, help us to not give in to the lie of the enemy, that we should only intercede for certain people, or that we should only intercede at certain times, or maybe not even at all. Lord, we want to push past that, and we want to do what your word commands, and intercede for all men, even our enemies, even those who have worked against us all throughout our lives. Lord, we thank you that you interceded on our behalf, that you interceded for our sin so that sin could be abolished forever. And Lord, we thank you that when we're interceding and we do our best, even if it may not seem like enough in the natural, that the Holy Spirit will take over from where we leave off and will bring about a greater harvest than we could ever imagine. Lord, today we intercede for our family, we intercede for our friends, and we intercede for our nation and for all unbelievers all around the world. We believe that we're going to see a change. We believe that we're going to see a great harvest and a great move of God in the days ahead. And we believe that the best is yet to come. We believe that we're going to see salvation and miracles and healings and deliverances and people set free like never before. And we thank you that our intercessions are going to get to play a pivotal role in this next move of God. Lord, we thank you for all that you have done, all that you're doing right now. And we thank you that with you the best is yet to come and that you have great things set apart for us. Lord, we give you all the honor, all the glory, and all the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you want to intercede and have Jesus as a part of your life today, all you need to do is to invite Jesus into your heart to be your personal Lord and Savior. You then need to repent of your sins and ask for his forgiveness. Then you trust you've been forgiven and you ask for his free gift of eternal life. If you prayed this from a sincere heart and you truly meant it, then you are now a part of the family of God. Welcome to God's family. We want to thank everybody for listening today. We appreciate you taking out your time to spend with us. If you'd like to give us feedback and tell us how much you appreciate this show, you can contact us at kingswordbiblestudy at gmail.com. If you'd like to learn more about this program and this ministry, you can visit kingswordbible.com. We appreciate also if you write a review from wherever you're listening to this podcast from. And if you follow and subscribe so that more people can hear the King's Word for themselves. God bless you. We want you to know that we love you all. 
and we will see you next week as we continue to study the King's Word together.